0: Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Scottish Paddlecast from the Scottish Canoe Association. We hope you're all keeping well and we are delighted to be joined today by Stuart Gary who is a performance slalom coach with the SCA uh, and former league club coach at Strathallon Canoe Club. Um, he's still paddling at a very high level and he has a wealth of experience as a paddler and coach so we are delighted that he's made the time to join us today. Thanks Stuart.
1: Thanks for having me Doug. I've been wondering when my call up would come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Saving the best till last year, obviously. Always. <laughs> so we're um, we're asking everyone this question because we're we're interested. So if you could paddle anywhere in the world, uh, any place, any people, any boat class or craft, you could be controversial here. Uh, where would
1: you go? What would you do? Who would you go with? I think it's always going to have to be in a slalom boat. They're just the most fastest slash like versatile boat around so i guess playing about wise that's like the dream as for location i think burg Saint Maurice is always the highlight a big water day is just like awesome and then who would i take probably the boys ads and aaron is always a classic we've like grown up together paddling endless amounts in over the summer so those are the two, but I guess you reminded me well that I need to bring Ailey along just for political reasons. So I've thrown her in there just to keep her happy. <laughs> I'm sure she's delighted to be known that she has been just thrown in there with the
0: last... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and that is kind of what I thought you were going to say. Big water, slalom boats, sunny day, um, good times. Okay. So you're... I guess your your journey into paddling your journey to coaching has been a really interesting one obviously you're currently lead uh, slalom coach for our um, performance program athletes up in Scotland um, and at camps in London and Nottingham and so on um, and you're still competing at a pretty high level could you maybe just tell the listeners a wee bit about how you got into paddling in the first place?
1: guess how I got into paddling is not that interesting almost like my friend was doing like pool sessions I think and then she was going with someone else and then they couldn't make it one day so I got asked do you want to come along and then I guess I loved it from there so that I joined the crew of going every Friday night in the Aberdeen Kayak Club um, and then from there you get taken out to the river at Seton Park and then you just do more and more rivers there's a bit of polo here and there and then you kind of got introduced through Slalom. Like There's a Seton Park, like sort of open race. I think I won, like the first three races in a row. So I shot from like the beginning to diff 2 or something. In the first four races went to Alva, experienced good camping and then just having a good laugh with like friends and families. And yeah, it was just like an all-around good experience. So like from there, you're pretty much hooked. And then the Slalom side is just... I don't know I've been pretty sporty throughout my life so always wanted to do like the best you can so I guess it's just been chasing that from day one I guess that's kind of it for how I got into it it was kind of just immersion from the get-go it was just always can I do more can I do more can I do more whereas now it's kind of what, what can I do to maximize performance now while doing like balance in life work and canoeing and other aspects of being an athlete now is like being in the gym getting out running stuff like that eating right getting to bed is, and then reading a lot as well like in terms of this been a pretty good forced period of downtime in terms of how much you can actually be on a riverbank so reading a lot of articles and stuff like trying to just I guess now better my craft in coaching is the main aspect
0: yeah so I've got a real sense of this Kind of ongoing desire and passion to keep getting better no, no matter what you're doing so you had this amazing introduction to the sport this real passion for slalom that got ignited through, through Aberdeen um where did coaching fall into that plan for you how
1: did coaching start and, and where's that been leading you I guess the coaching came through so slalom's kind of like a small part in Aberdeen Cat club so like to get to do more paddling it was just um I like think me and a couple of us just went out ourselves basically in a boat so then from there like you just become the coaches yourself like very in a very naive way it was kind of watch what the other person does make some comments then you go or you just stand there with a stopwatch or playing around with like who you're who you're there with and then I think from there I've always just kind of it's always like that learning process of just impart my knowledge to someone else like oh I, I saw this what do you think and I guess from there, it's just kind of like it's just been a natural progression. And then, like the groups I've paddled with as well, so like I mentioned our nads earlier, we have generally like so like we've been away on a score trip or something. And then we'd go, or we'll just stay out for like an extra few weeks by ourselves. So I guess when you're there by yourself, you just have to get on with it. And like if you don't have a coach, you just become the coach yourself. So I guess just asking yourself the right questions actually just is coaching without actually knowing you're physically doing that. And I guess from there, it just became like pretty natural transition almost.
0: That's really interesting. Just listening to you there, I've got this image in my head of like a, a skate park, you know, and the old kids turn up and they just kind of <clears throat> try tricks out and they maybe figure it out together and they give each other feedback and they try stuff out. That's kind of the image I have of you in your early days of, of slalom coaching and paddling. Was that what it was like?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like it was always just about, going out and just having a bit of a bit of fun and then to have more fun you get better at it i think or, like you have a desire to be like good at something to get the maximum joy out of it so like it's always been a case of i'll scratch your back, you scratch mine and we can all get better together and it's like create really creating that like group ethic of like work hard for each other and the group as a whole will, will, will like sail through it and, yeah, it's always kind of been, like, even when I, I did, like, little bits of coaching for the SA pff, 10 years ago now as as just, like, an athlete and, like, they wanted, like, essentially like helpers to come and, like, help at, like, a junior race abroad. And we just, so me mean, a couple of others just said, oh, yeah, that's fine because it means we get to stay abroad a little bit longer. So, like, anyone hey, no that knows me knows I love the sun. So it was just another case of how can I extend my holiday? It's, like, a bonus that you're in a very nice place to do it in as well
0: just um reflecting what you said there about this idea about bringing a group together and bringing that real group ethic of everybody working together so i I guess thinking about this moment when we bring in the formal coach so you are the coach steward and you're coaching the session and we now have so we now have a leader in a session how do you go about kind of keeping or building that group ethic that group ethos of working together
1: uh, when we have got a formal like leader of the session how does that work like so where the Scottish canoeing lies in terms of like the path performance pathway like we're still like a stepping stone in the direction so we don't have like the best coaching ratios all the time like we're not you could just kind of be like world class in that at the moment so I think I could be one to six say so how do I maximize everyone's learnings is probably teach them to coach themselves like one of the things I probably strive for is independent learners so again, we don't have a centralized system like you do in a performance center. So how do I then maximize people if I can't see them like directly? So it's again just trying to really almost recreate like that group like skatepark met- like mentality of as like a team. If everyone's like pushing hard, then the, everyone will like increase together, and then you'll sort of pick up everyone with you to like always be pushed and almost pulled. If you're having a bit off day, like somebody can bring you up. Or, equally, somebody can help lower you down if you're a bit too hyper to keep you in like that. I'm here to learn sort of methodology rather than enjoying yourselves too much. (laughs) So, Stuart, thinking about that
0: idea of coaching paddlers to coach themselves and then to coach others, what are some of the maybe strategies or approaches that that you've tried out and, and that sometimes work for you in terms of getting paddlers to
1: learn how to do that? So, the key aspect I think was almost just not saying too much too soon. So it's it's dead easy to just somebody asks you a question just to fire them the answer straight away. But you don't really learn too much from that. Like you need to kinda go through the process of getting things wrong before you can then learn how to do it right. And then especially I think for slalom like part of like our sport is knowing when things are going wrong, but fixing it before it becomes a real big mistake. So I guess part of like your ability to to learn a skill is knowing when it's going wrong and how to correct it back onto, to like the right line. So I guess like if I just gave you an answer straight away, of, this is how you do this, then you're not going to understand the five different ways it goes wrong. So like you need to be able to like to get repeatability repeatability on an aspect of canoeing. You need to have learned why it's not going to be like why it won't work essentially so I guess that was one of the key things was just like how do I get the learners to actually learn for themselves I just kind of guide them sometimes or equally I might not know and I'll just say well let's go on a journey together let's figure it out so it's kind of always been how can we best guide them to learn for themselves because ultimately I can't be in the boat with them to help them paddle so it's got to be on them sometimes you need to like give a give a hint or something, but generally everyone will get there just it might take like you saying the same thing five different ways and one of those ways will just stick
0: yeah it's, it's a really great point i am um, sometimes think about thresholds in coaching so we should allow the athlete the opportunity to try and get over that threshold on their own but equally if they're not getting over it it'd be really helpful if you would just tell them um because they're just getting annoyed with you get hacked off it's all well and good trying to get them to solve the problem on their own but if if you've tried seven different ways and they still can't do it would just tell them to Try that as a sweeper, whatever it might be in your sport. Very conscious that a lot of people listening are not from the slalom community. Give us a bit of a sense of the demands of slalom um, and then maybe what some of the best paddlers in the world are doing to, to be effective going down a slalom course.
1: Yeah, so I think the f- the flavour just now of what Slalom is, is it's a repeated sprint sport, but you need to be very adaptable on the way down. Of The, the water's always going to change. There's always going to be something different to what you might want to have planned. So it's always going to be a case of how can I get in and out of here as fast as I can, whilst also dealing with being pushed around at the same time. I guess it'd be like a case of if you equated it to a different sport, it'd be If you had to run 100 meters but then the track starts moving left and right and you don't really know why or when so it's kind of just like how how best can i deal with you learn how to expect the problems coming but it could also be something very unexpected that's kind of will throw you at some stage so i guess the top guys it's all about like the volume of time you've you've trained would probably be the, the biggest thing, and then just again, like how many mistakes have you made previously is probably going to be the biggest advantage you'll ever have because you generally should have learned from your mistakes, so you won't have that same effect like when it happens again. Uh, I guess that's like the main aspects, and then the repeated sprint aspect is like although it is like a a thresholdy sport, like we're over around 100 second mark like the biggest thing just now is just how fast can you get off the line and then get up to your top speed and then just relax so i guess that's another aspect is like how relaxed you can then stay and not be in that sort of tense zone but then i guess people's styles will depend and the different courses will will force you into different styles as well but the main thing just now is like short sharp but also sustaining that for at least like 16 efforts say i'd say
0: so you're building a picture of a pretty demanding sport um, that's, yeah, you, you know, things have got to be done right on the day, don't they? Um, now, you're, in your current role the SCA, you're mostly working with paddlers aged, what, 16 through to sort of 21, 22, something like that. So for people out there uh, trying to coach some of these decision-making adaptability skills that undoubtedly have crossover to lots of different disciplines, how do you go about developing those things in your in your coaching how do you go about developing that adaptability and decision
1: making capacity key thing i think is it's all about the mindset so having that growth mindset where you're willing to fail basically so just now we're we're trying to work on having what we're calling a a fearless mindset which is just having no fear whatsoever in terms of it's very much okay to fail like there's a lot of constraints especially like i learned younger girls of like you must be perfect all the time or you'll get made fun of or something or it's like a, a bad thing whereas all the lessons I'd say through Islam that I've learned is that the more failure you've had up to that point, the better you'll be so like really re- reiterating on that aspect it's all about keeping that open mind and then especially if you want to be like world class in anything you will have to get something wrong at some point, or you don't have to but there's always going to be a time where you'll tr- you'll try and take a path and it won't be the right one so it's like being able to learn from your mistakes is probably like the key thing. So I guess it's always framing your either wording or your your sessions around. or oh, we are going to try this today? And if it doesn't work, so be it. We'll we'll try something else from what we've learned today. Like, like that is always like the key thing, and like that works like no matter the ages. I guess you've got the best. Like the younger you start, like the more flexible people are to, to that mindset run like the older you get, the f- more fixed you get with your, your way of thinking. So, so yeah, the challenges for those who coach the young ones, like you've got like probably the best base to work from. Like you've got the most unchallenged minds out there. It's like, so you can really like explore with them like a great mindset. It's interesting,
0: this idea of <clears throat> the more mistakes we make, the more expert we become. So I think Einstein said that an expert was somebody who had made every possible mistake in a very narrow field. And, and kind of what you're saying there is, yeah, we need to let them get out there and make loads of mistakes. On the flip side of that, though, I guess what I'm interested in is how do you support paddlers with that failure? Particularly when you've talked about some of them have maybe had an experience where we set them up to succeed all the time. So how do you help them deal with the emotions of turning into a, going to a session knowing that they are going to fail over and over and over again and they might feel like they're not getting better today. How do you as the coach kind of manage
1: those emotions
0: and manage that um, in in terms of that longer-term
1: journey? It's a difficult one. It's always ongoing. and I think it's something that nobody's really an expert in. It's just like how do you manage people's emotions and it's if you see someone turn up to a session and they're not looking like they've had a hard day at school or work or something's not gone right they've been sat in a queue for an hour then you kind of go all right we'll, we'll put that plan on the back burner and we'll work on something a bit more like rewarding like easy rewards as opposed to something that's going to be a bit more taxing or you're going to have to work through it but then equally for some people they prefer when they're in a bit more annoyed state like about anger sometimes creates great things and equally maybe not for the other person so it's all about like the individual like how do how do you manage like each person individually so what works for some might not work for others so i think it's just being again very flexible how many doors can you keep open at the same time sort of thing like how many plates can you keep spinning so i guess if you if you're always one-to-one it'd be very easy to manage like you're on like a very individual journey with that person like you'd have a very good discussion based it's probably going to be more them led than the coach led when you're like on like a small spa- small scale, whereas when you're dealing with a lot of people, you got to kind of do one size fits all, but also try and look after the individuals. So I guess the, the main thing is just knowing your athlete, and if you don't know them yet, kind of let them lead the way until you can actually make a bit more informed decisions.
0: So there was something really interesting you said there about um, this kind of idea of instant gratification. You know where people want to feel like they're getting better immediately and getting something right there and right then, rather than you're going to have to um, wait a little bit for that thing, that shiny thing we want over here. You're probably It's probably not going to be a nice straight line to get there. It's probably going to be a bit wiggly along the way. Now, I'm conscious that in your current role, you obviously, obviously coach um, some really good, uh, quite high-level paddlers um, who are a bit older. I guess thinking back to your earlier days coaching at Strathalon when you had maybe some younger kids who as well as trying to get them just technically doing the right things in terms of that adaptability, decision-making bit, what what kind of stuff did you do working at that level that really helped the kids to learn about reading the water and to make decisions and to adapt um, at that level? What kind of things
1: were, were useful there? So I think in that stage, when they lack experience, like the key thing is just to try and build up the experience. So get out of there, do as much things as you can, probably do as many different things as possible. So if you, there's gates at the pond, say instead of just doing what a classic sort of course would be you make it something weird or you have to then apply like try and do a skill around like a feature or something like that so you've got to be able to do do the skill that you'd normally do somewhere nice and easy you know how to do it in somewhere difficult and then I guess another one that we did was um was like try to then like have informed decision making so we've done like they had to wait for my signal. Like to be paddling straight, they'd have to wait for my signal of "you turn left if I say this, you turn right if I say that." A certain word means like volume of degrees. So, I think one time we used oranges and apples for like lefts and rights. So it's kind of like how much like, cognitive load can you take whilst also doing that physical aspect? Like, so basically, the the more autonomous you are at something, then you'll be very receptive to. It other instructions going on top of that versus if you have to think about like how to paddle then you're not going to be very ready or like you need more experience of just of like the basics basically so it's like just doing like a normal thing like you wouldn't if somebody asked you a question whether you're brushing your t- teeth you'd easily do it because it's something you're so repetitive uh you don't really think about it anymore versus if i asked you to do some calculus while doing a an upstream breakout you'd probably freak out and not, probably not do either. So it's just knowing, knowing the level and then once once you're autonomous, it's like one skill, you can throw in something on top to try and see it, like how that balance is.
0: Yeah, it's this lovely idea of layering, isn't it? <clears throat> so we start with you can do the basic here and then we add in something else and add in something else and then something else and so on um, until eventually we get to a place where you can be doing some quite advanced things but we're adding in some really nice um, external factors to deal with. Um, I'm interested because I don't really know much about what the um, guys right at the top of the pathway we are doing. Are they doing similar things to that? Does that sort of idea still transfer as people go up through the pathway?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of discussions just now of like the the value of play through um, training. So I think previously it was always about every session is a serious session and it must be like very regimented and linear. Whereas now it's I think goes it Richard Cheetham brought out the the play project with. With us coaches in Scottish slalom and I think he's brought them out with Craig Morris down south now. And it's really about like so probably when you're starting out, it's probably ten percent like repetition, ninety percent play. And then when you get to the top, that'll boy switch and they'll probably a midway point of 50 50 play to to very linear practice. So it's a case of like at that top end, how do you then keep the athletes engaged? Like it becomes very hard to like break a habit. So you need to be pretty creative in terms of we need to now take away, you're not allowed to use a paddle. So how do you maximize the edges on a boat to get you where you need to be? Versus if you threw that in at the young end, it could be a bit more difficult, but it could still work down there. So it's kind of, yeah, it, it works all the way through. Poi top end athletes are a little bit less engaged with it, so it needs to be probably like the 10% as opposed to the 90, but that comes to like, they've got way more experience and have a bit more fixed, they, they, they know more, so like it's not applicable as much. But if you need to break down like a, a real barrier of somebody's fixed idea of how something works, like it's a like a very good way to to challenge the, like their ideas.
0: Yeah, I love that idea that things we do with kids just because they're fun actually have amazing performance value later on. Um and I, I suppose what I loved about listening to you there, Stuart, was this idea that it's not play for the sake of play we're not just messing around we're actually using play in a very skillful targeted way to help us um get better at what we're doing
1: yeah i think it's very much about it's deliberate play like like how does this what what we're going to play about with how does that like like thread back into what the sport actually is like i guess you want days where nothing matters we're just going to go and do this just because just cause but if you're wanting for like the performance aspect you probably want to have like oh we're not using our paddles to directly impact this or you're not allowed to do this because this is like your your intended consequence of of the session as opposed to it's just a we'll just go out and see basically who knows what will come out um
0: i noticed that to some extent we've kind of come full circle here um through your journey in coaching that at the start, we talked about these really unstructured kind of skate park sessions uh, where you just turned up and had a go to yourselves and coached each other. And there probably was quite a lot of messing around and play going on. And I noticed that you've gone through all this this um, paddling and all this coaching. And I'm wondering if you've kind of come back to that in some way.
1: Yeah, it definitely has come back to like that sort of, oh, what do you see? What do I see? Let's just like figure it out together. Like I think it's almost like you start how you finish, and most things like you need to look like when you don't know enough at all, you need to go just ex- like play about an experience, and then you get like have an understanding there. It's about consolidating, and then that end phase is more about to get better. You need to break the like, the barriers and go. So this is what we think works all the time. So we need to let's try something really weird and hope it comes out. Uh, you watch what I do, I'll watch what you do and we'll meet in the middle and hopefully something comes out.
0: Yeah I'm, I'm just hearing that real like things are not very linear in the real world of learning particularly in the world you work in where we're working on white water and which is always changing and we're dealing with kids and kids are not very linear so it's actually a really non-linear space. I'm wondering if you might have uh, any advice to that you might be willing to share or offer to, to young coaches uh, either in slalom or in other disciplines that are up and coming things that you've maybe learned as you've gone along that you think might be a real value to them or perhaps even advice that you might give to your younger se- self what what might you offer up
1: i guess one of the biggest ones was the say less was always a key one i was a big talker in terms of giving answers or going like a big long explanation but less is more generally people's like what you say might have like a different like meaning to someone else so say it very basically and then let them show you how it's done how they like believe like the intention was Uh, another one would just be go out and enjoy it and then try and keep like the fun there like that like the reason why you do the sport is because of like the enjoyment or or like the friend group around you so like don't lose sight of like why you're in the sport in the first place like if you're ever having like hard times like now you haven't been able to go canoeing for 10 weeks I think it was there like go out and just really enjoy it again
0: yeah thanks Stuart some really really wise advice there I'd um, encourage everyone to listen maybe think to that Uh, impossible to summarize that conversation I've just written down I I think maybe maybe three things that that really sit with me from what what you said there the I guess the opening of you know can we coach the paddlers to be the coach so become the coach yourself and you know uh, engage in that learning process rather than the coach is the oracle and holder of all the knowledge and wisdom actually can you get involved with that learning journey yourselves related to that then um, maybe say less and be aware that what you say might not be what they hear so being very careful with how you do that and the last thing was lovely you said it was um don't forget why you set out on that journey in the first place remember that it's meant to be fun and getting out paddling there could be nothing better so um particularly after a little break off the water for the last few weeks i really hope that um everybody really gets back to it and remembers remembers the joy of getting out in your boat and messing around as you as you kind of put it um right at the start so um stuart thanks so much for your time uh really 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 grateful i hope that there are some uh there's some interesting thoughts or ideas for people to engage with in there definitely some things you can begin to think of putting into practice as as we start getting back towards the water um please keep an eye out for future podcasts um hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss out and obviously at the moment please everyone uh, stay safe and thanks for listening